And hey there, hi there, ho there, hello there, and a gracious good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour Podcast, where we bring you the joy and excitement of U of L Women's Athletics. We welcome you to a cold and snow-covered Louisville, Kentucky this morning. No, it doesn't quite like seem like spring today, but uh, things are supposed to be warming up tomorrow. So, uh, hey, grab that extra cup of coffee, sit down in your comfy chair, and listen to the broadcast today, because if you got plans outside, they ain't going to be much fun for you. I'll tell you that right off the bat. So we have a full house today for the broadcast, as I'm joined by Case and Jared and Daryl and Jeff. So we haven't had a full house in a little while here, gang. It's good to have one uh, here to participate in the talkings about U of L women's athletics today, huh? Good stuff. As we uh, kind of like to do, started out with each one of our participants in the broadcast today and kind of catch up with them and see what's going on with them. Let's uh, let's go ahead and start with Case there. Case, uh, how are things out in the, the massive city of Shelbyville? Are you snowed in? <laughs> no, uh, it was... Coming down pretty good on my way home last night. A tough week for everybody at work, so we had a little bit of a happy hour that we needed to get in and, and get finished before the snow started. And uh, So the, the drive home was a little bit sketchy. It was kind of blustery, blizzardy conditions for part of it. But, yeah, the roads were you know warm. It was pretty nice all week, so no real issues. But it is a, a nice white snow-covered lawn today. There you go. No weed pulling today for you. I'm assuming in your plans then. No, I hope they all just die. Just <laughs> die and go away. Hey, I've, I've got a situation where my daffodils have come up. Ooh. And so they're not too receptive to what has happened here over the last 12 hours or 24 hours. But uh, they're a hearty little old bulb there. I think they'll be okay. I hope so anyway. I was not about to go out with the tarpaulin and cover them as Sonia suggested. That wasn't in my game plan. Also got Jeff in the house with us today. Jeff uh, in in the city today. Uh, the worldly traveler has come home and is probably upset that he's left the warm climate. To, yeah, to be nine, back here. Nine days ago, I went swimming. Yeah, we <laughs> saw the pictures. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was taunting. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, nine days ago, I was good swimming and and get back here and. Uh, yeah, and it's snow on the ground. I, I'm, I'm not a happy camper. I don't like snow anyway. I don't like cold. So I'm not a happy camper to begin with. And then to, to put that, we should have stayed in Phoenix another week. So, Yeah, it would have been probably a nice thing to do. And you could have sent us pictures of you maybe getting a suntan or something like that. And getting us all insanely mad at you in our group chat. I, yeah, I still like, like, I don't tan. It's bad. So that's probably not going to happen. You're probably safe from that one. I did sit out in the sun a little bit, but I kept it short because, you know, it's in a desert. So <laughs> sun gets pretty intense. So, yeah. Well, I'll give you a chance to practice for the polar plunge, Jeff, if you want to go ahead and do that today. You can yeah. That. No. no, no, not no. going to happen. <laughs> Case Hoskins in the house with us as well. Case has the Saturday write-up on the Cardinal Couple website today. Make sure and, and take a look at that as he's got some great stuff in there today. And uh, so uh, in case, you know, as we had mentioned earlier, uh, the guy who really deserves the full hats off, hard working, 100% award this week is Jared Anderson. 
because Jared has been so busy out covering softball. I'm surprised he's not walking around his apartment right now with a bat and also looking down into the living room to see if the third base coach is offering him any signs on what to do. Uh, hey, Jared, uh, are you catching up a little bit now that you, there's no games today? Well, <clears throat> right before the softball game started Thursday, I got caught up from the weekend before where I had <laughs> nine games between baseball and softball and lacrosse. And already with this weekend, I've had three softball games and a baseball game and a, another softball and baseball to go tomorrow. So today is catch up as much as possible. And oh, yeah, then the selection show tomorrow night that we're going to head out to for women's basketball. So um, spring season, uh, as you have winter sports rolling over, too, is just the it's about the busiest time of the year because you'll see a lot of these spring sports will play mini series or invitationals early in the year. So there's a lot of games kind of compact into one. And, and it's a lot. I was definitely exhausted last week. And well imagine, and uh, you had touched on just briefly the selection show for the NCAA women's basketball tournament. And I, to be honest with you, gang, I'm not sure what all I can say about this because I got kind of this cryptic email from uh, – well, actually, Nick Evans, who is you know, the, the SID for, for women's basketball, and he said, limited media availability. He says, who do you want to attend out of your group? And I figured the only thing I could do is just you know, let you guys know about it and let you know. So I know Jared and I will be there. And then I had to send confirmations into Nick confirming we would be there. Uh, I'm not even sure if I could disclose the location right now because – it seems like they've kind of cut back from what they used to do as far as having a selection show where the fan base can, uh, you know, take part in it and go with the players and such. And it's also at the, well, I can't tell you where it's at. I'm sorry. My yeah. I think from my understanding, they're wanting to keep it kind of on the, keep it small. the, the down low, smaller crowd. And although we are looking better in terms of COVID numbers, I think it's also a way to try and limit exposure for the players because the last thing we want at this time of year is to have people out on COVID and be shorthanded going in the tournament. Uh, good point. Indeed it is. And also Daryl's with us today. Daryl, no babies to sit on today and no houses to close on today. You're glad to have you with us, girl. Thank you guys. Yeah, no, and no golf tea times, which was awful <laughs> last week, by the way, guys. Did you all go outside and catch that wind? Because my ball was gone. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I when I I had something yesterday or last week in the city, so driving by the um the Cardinal Country Club, the the U of L one. Um, mm -hmm. Plenty of people were out early in the morning, and I applauded them because I was like, ah, yes, I know what it's going to do later this afternoon, and you all will be finished with your round, and all of the people who have not started yet will be sad. <laughs> Dude, we left after nine. It was so awful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity y'all letting me go, but uh, I'll need to pay better attention to that forecast. Good thing I didn't have one scheduled today because I, I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> I would have definitely suggested the orange or red ball today, Daryl, instead of the traditional <laughs> white one. Yeah, and, and all my club heads broke off because I hit a chunk of ice on the ground. Yeah. It's like when you get to the green to putt, make sure and play for the glaze factor, not the break. <laughs> right. 
uh, yeah, we got a fun show lined up for you today. Um, we're definitely going to talk women's basketball. We'll also get a little lacrosse and softball in there as well for you. But as we like to do to get things going after our own personal kind of recaps of the week. And my week was eventually essentially boring. Doctor's appointments, watching things on the ACC Network Extra, and a, uh, a long talk with our friend Arthur, who is uh, very excited about his Clemson softball team because – Obviously, there's nothing there to be excited about about his Clemson women's basketball squad, but he'll have some fun about that. But we're going to bring Case Hoskins in and do us a little bit of scheduling and Twitter information. So, uh, Case, did you remember to pull up everything? I did. All right, then. No, I'm on it. The floor is yours. And- I've, I've also been practicing my scrolling up and down. Um, <laughs> uh, only I had a little trouble with that last week. Yeah, I had a little trouble with that last week, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the only thing on the schedule today is the f- end of the track uh, NCAA Indoor Championships. Uh, only one Cardinal competitor in that today. Gabrielle Leon um, did her performance yesterday and finished in sixth place with a All-American first-team All-American performance there. Uh, tomorrow, men's golf is in Myrtle Beach at the Dunes Golf and Beach Club. The Hackler Intercollegiate, General Hackler Intercollegiate Invitational. Uh, That's a two-day event going to Monday. Softball takes on Indiana at 11 a.m. in the Bluegrass Challenge. That is Louisville's last game in the event, but interestingly, the home team is not playing in the last game of the event, which will be between Indiana and EKU later in the afternoon. Women's tennis host, or women's tennis is at Clemson. Uh, That one's at noon. Lacrosse in North Carolina. Taking on North Carolina on Sunday, they'll play Duke later in the week. That one is at 1 p.m. Uh, live video listed, so that one should be available on ACC Network Extra. Baseball, I believe that they are finishing their second game from last night and also playing. Uh, yeah. It's not listed on the schedule here, yeah, but they, they have to finish that game and then play the third scheduled game for that series. Uh, that is scheduled for 1 p.m. on the ACC Network Extra, but I don't, I don't recall. I think they've shifted that around a little bit. Uh, men's tennis is at Virginia. Uh, they're on an 11-game win streak, I think. So see if they can keep that up at 1 p.m. And then, as I mentioned, softball. Uh, Ulmer Field will play host to Indiana and EKU at 1.30. Monday, the only thing is that golf event. Tuesday, baseball takes on Northern Kentucky at 3 p.m. Um, on a Tuesday afternoon game on ACC Network Extra. On Wednesday, the NCAA Women's Swimming Championships begin. I think that that is swimming and diving, if I recall correctly. Yes. Yes. Because we actually have a diver going this year. Yes. Uh, So those begin, uh, prelim swims begin at 10 a.m. that day, and that event will go all the way through Saturday. Uh, then baseball takes on Bellarmine at 11 a.m. on Wednesday morning. So I'm sure the crowd will be very significant for that 11 a.m. midweek baseball game. Uh, softball takes on Western Illinois at 5 p.m. in their last game before conference play starts. And that is not listed as being on ACC Network Extra, but I sh- would assume uh, the game in Ulmer will be. Thursday, um, swimming championships continue. Lacrosse takes on Duke at 8 p.m. That one will be on the linear ACC Network 
channel. On Friday, Tracks Outdoor season begins. Uh, so no rest for the weary there. Uh, right after the NCAA championships, they'll go right into the next season. And that's in Auburn at the Tiger Classic. Swimming championships continue. Women's tennis hosts Xavier at noon. Men's tennis hosts Miami at 3. Softball begins their series versus Georgia Tech at 6. Uh, that one is at home. And baseball begins their conference play as well as they host Notre Dame starting at 7. Uh, that first game against Notre Dame will be on ACC Network proper. So it's Notre Dame, so we're just going to go ahead and assume it's going to be 14 innings long? Yeah, I, yes. ima I imagine they'll yeah. play uh, many more than 27 total innings over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then Saturday, uh, that track event will begin before the show, as well as rowing at the Oak Ridge Cardinal Invitational. Uh, Louisville, I guess, hosting another Invitational not in Louisville. That one's in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Uh, and then swimming versus swimming versus NCAA championships. Uh, the final day of that, which, again, prelims will begin at 10 a.m. As we move into Twitter for track and field and swimming, the best way to keep up with those is by checking out the right side of the Cardinal Couple website where we've got our Twitter list. Uh, if you want to follow any of us, I tweet as at best case scenario, B-S-T-K-Scenario. Polly is at Cardinal Couple. Jeff is at Card Couple Radio and at Jeff McAdams. Uh, Jared is at Mr. Anderson Jared and Daryl is at Daryl Faust Or. Right, there we have it. Uh, a complete schedule on Twitter. And well done, Case 1113. So you knocked that one out pretty quickly there. Uh, but I'm just curious why, why is it Daryl Faust Four? Uh, that would be my name and my favorite number. I didn't know four was your last name. No, that's my favorite number, which I learned last night is an unlucky number, I guess. Uh-oh. According to Disney. Well, I mean, the oh, mouse you, knows everything. The, the news I watched the new movie red. Turning Red. Anybody uh, heard of it? No, I, I'm no. afraid I'm unfamiliar. It is a not-so-subtle coming-of-age movie from what I've uh, gathered from previews. But I know, I was blown away. It is very blown good. Blown away. Uh, from what I've heard. <laughs> it, was, it was actually really good. I liked it. All right. Well, at least we have a partial explanation on what the fours there. <laughs> it's on Disney+. Plus. It's the, new, it's the new good movie. I mean, if you want to watch an animated movie that is ostensibly for children, but really not, then enjoy it. I just, whenever I think of four, I think of football players running up and down the field, down by 21 points, but with four fingers up in the air. Or, it's the fourth quarter. Here we go. Or it was my golf swing last week, and I was just constantly, constantly <laughs> yelling that. Great times. I, I'm sure that these squirrels and various avery creatures out on the golf course were <laughs> thankful. Cows. There's actually cows out there on the sides of uh, Henry County. Well, if you hit a cow, I think it is a two-stroke penalty. So you got to be careful <laughs> with that. I thought you got bonus points for hitting a cow. I would have been glad if the cow would have stopped my ball for me. Only if the cow was on the green, Jared. <laughs> then you play it off the cow and then through the windmill. And then well, was, I'm thinking of something that's okay. Never mind. Hit the cow, get a free steak. Hit the cow, get a free steak. Yeah, you know, bounce it off the cow and get a moo. <laughs> so, having fun with all that, we'll, uh, let's go ahead and get on into the meat and bones of things today. And I, I think that. Most fans of U of L women's athletics are in anticipation right now for 
what may transpire on Sunday. It is Selection Sunday, and we will find out beginning at uh, 8 p.m. on ESPN, where the cards will be going after their two games in the KFC Yum Center. Uh, will they be a one seed? Will there be a two seed? Everybody's got, it seems like, a different opinion on this. Uh, I know there were a lot of gloom and doomers that after we lost to Miami saying, oh, that doesn't work, two seed now. We've got no shot at it. But if you take a look at Charlie Green's Bracketology, who does this for ESPN, his most recent entry, which was today, by the way, has Louisville still a one seed and going to the Wichita region. So uh, Charlie knows this stuff a little bit. Let's hope he's right on this one. Although, going out there, guys, let, let's face it, as a one seed, we're probably the lowest of the one seeds. If we were going as a two seed, we would probably be the highest of the two seeds. So, uh, kind of a mixed bag there, really, if you take a look at it. Uh, let's just kind of do a little roundtable discussion on that. Uh, one of the things that Charlie did point out is if uh, Louisville, if things turn out the way Louisville thinks they should, and that they would actually be beginning their play against Albany. Albany, one of the automatic qualifiers. Uh, and so I know Scott Teeter would be pleased since he's from Albany. But uh, other than that, I don't know what they've got as far as basketball goes. Uh, interesting also that the Crane has got one of the first four out being Boston College. One of those bubble teams that would be the first four out. And he's also got Duke in the next four out. So Green has pretty much uh, come up with the determination that the ACC will only get eight schools into the tournament, which I find kind of interesting. Uh, boy, there's a, lot, there's a lot to digest here with this tournament bracketology, Daryl. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Are we a one seed or do we go in as a two? What do you think of going to Wichita and such such? I think we're a one seed. Um, I know – we're kind of battling with NC State to get it, but it looks like both of us are going to make it in on that one line. So that's good. It kind of feels like for U of L that they're finally getting in that conversation where they get the benefit of the doubt. Um, at least on the women's side, that's lucky because I think we have, or the last time I looked at the projections, UConn ended up on the two line. So it's kind of weird to see them there and us on that one line. So glad we could, uh, Sneak in there, especially after that uh, meltdown from last Friday. And I call it a melt meltdown, guys. Uh, I didn't get to voice about what had happened. I was watching the first three quarters, like half of the fourth quarter um, at El Nepal. We had a significant lead, like 12 to 14 point lead before we left. I felt comfortable leaving. Then I got, I'm walking up to Yum Center uh, for the show and I checked my stat broadcast. We lost by two. I, I couldn't believe it. I, you should have seen my face in the middle of Main Street. Like, what? <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess the team's getting the benefit of the doubt. Coach Walls is getting the benefit of the doubt. He's in the conversations for Coach of the Year. We got some players in the conversations for accolades that uh, they definitely deserve to be in the conversation. So it looks like the, the committee is giving the cards um, the benefit of the doubt. And I'm, I'm I'm thankful that that appears to be what's going on right now. Although let's let's be honest here, it is Charlie Crean with the bracketology. He's not officially a member of the 
NCAA sure. doings. He's with the ESPN and, and so does a fine job. So it is basically just his educated speculation, I'll call it, Jared, that the cards will get that one seed. But it looks like from what he's he's thinking and what he's, he's saying here, if that is the case, he's throwing obviously Baylor in there in our region. Also a very strong Tennessee team that's in our region as well as Jeff Wallace's old coach, Maryland, as a four seed, all that going on in Wichita. So uh, that, that seems to be a pretty power pack bracket if it, that's the way it turns out. Yeah, uh, if that's what the bracket turns out to be, we're going to have our work cut out for us. And that, uh, lots of fun teams to watch. I think it's going to be a, a good bracket, honestly. Uh, I'm not sure Tennessee's going to go as far as people think, just kind of watching how up and down they've been this year. I, I think they, I think they could be one of those teams that's gonna lose kind of early, uh, but Baylor's definitely a force to be reckoned with, especially after, you know, they had that twenty-three to nothing first quarter in Oklahoma State yesterday, which is just impressive. Uh, so, so Baylor's not a team you can overlook, and it's gonna be a tough matchup if we see Louisville and Baylor meet for a spot in the Final Four. Yeah, it, it is for sure an interesting kind of a breakdown as, as you take a look at some of the. I don't know, some of the areas that are in there. Bridgeport, and when you think of the Bridgeport region, gee, who do you think ends up there? You got it right. UConn, they'll be up there. They get to open in stores, obviously. Kind of interesting that they are opening in stores, which is the on-campus facility, instead of actually going to, uh, you know, play in Hartford, which has a bigger venue. But uh, he's got NC State projected for Bridgeport, which I guess makes sense. They're obviously not going to send them out west. That seems to be Stanford. But, uh, Jeff, the way I look at this, I think they did a fairly good job in, in his estimation of, of the way it's going to break down into trying to get schools in particular areas into the region which is closest to them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you said, he's been doing this a while. He's got it uh, pretty well. A, a pretty good sense of what the NCAA does, um, more even necessarily than what they say they do, which doesn't always match up, as, as we know, on lots of things. So, uh, But, you know, he's got a pretty good sense. Obviously, he's not going to get all of these exactly right. Uh, there's just way too many. There's too many options, and, and there's, there's going to be differences in it. But, you know, it's, he's usually pretty close. And, you know, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of gripes with – what he's laid out uh i think it's pretty reasonable and even yukon as much as we like to give him crap for always being in in the region you know the ncaa for particularly for the women does use kind of some regional principles on bracketing so they should be in general if they can i think it's probably a little over much uh i think they do get the benefit of the benefit of the doubt a lot but it is something that they actually do strive to do so ultimately it's fair enough I do find it kind of interesting that due to his educated guess here, he's got Utah in Wichita, who I thought maybe might have been put into the Spokane region since they're kind of out there in that area. And also BYU headed to Wichita, another school, which I think probably would have preferred to be in Spokane. Uh, other than that, uh, he's got uh, Montana State in there, which, uh, okay, that's that's right. You can send them anywhere. They're one and done, pretty much. Me saying that right now, obviously, now they're going to turn around and upset Baylor. Right. I mean, you know, go 
Final Four. And uh, South Dakota as well, which I guess South Dakota is one of those, well, we could send them to Spokane, but, you know, they're fairly close to Wichita. I don't know. Where do you go? He's got South Dakota in there as a 10 seed, which uh, South Dakota and South Dakota State very always challenging teams up there. They do good jobs with both those programs. But, uh, you know, Casey, in looking at this bracketology here and what they've got in here, they've got Kentucky going up to the friendly city of Bridgeport as well to start out as a seven seed. And the Cats, of course, uh, got the automatic qualification by winning the SEC tournament. Yeah, um, congratulations to Kentucky on um, winning your conference tournament with a huge upset over South Carolina. Your reward is that you go get to play UConn at their home gym. Um, <laughs> have fun with that, I guess. Uh, it's definitely uh, a seven seed after picking up that upset over number one in the conference tournament. Really goes to show, one, how bad they were struggling early in the season, and two, uh, with so many people being upset in conference tournaments and, and a lot of things not changing, uh, how little uh, weight is given to conference tournaments usually, um, particularly on the women's side. A little bit more on the men's, but uh, on the women's side, the committees are usually happy to just kind of, uh, committees and bracketologists, I should say, are usually just happy to, you know, finish their work up as soon as the regular season ends and then throw in the automatic qualifiers wherever they need to once those tournaments end. So as for Louisville, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have my sights set too much on a number one seed. I know that cream and autumn Johnson both have Louisville still as the number one, uh, over Baylor. Um, but I would say that anything could happen tomorrow. Uh, the committee could just, very easily swap those two teams. Wouldn't be particularly surprised about it. Like we've said, Louisville the number four, uh, number one seed, and, and Baylor obviously the top number two seed. So um, I don't think it would change a whole lot between the or in the committee's mind to to swap those two, um, and it shouldn't change a whole lot from Louisville's team perspective uh, if they get one or the other. Uh, they're still gonna, you know, be on the same path that they're gonna have to go through to get to the Final Four and beyond. And, and let's take a look at the S. Baylor squad. It's uh, in its first year under Nikki Collin. That's right. The presence of Kim Mulkey no longer a presence down there on the Baylor campus as she decided to head to LSU and join the SEC and take over that basketball program down there. And, and it's I'll been such a calming influence. Oh, wait, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sure Baylor's heartbroken. Oh, no. We lost uh, uh. Yeah, she comes in, you know, and it's definitely all flowers and roses. And But, uh, you know, then at LSU, she, she got uh, a, a nice opening gig down there in Baton Rouge as the two-seed down there, and they've got her in the Spokane region. So, hey, Kim, go ahead and win a couple games, and then guess what? You're going all the way from Bayou country all the way up to where they grow apples. Good luck with that up there. Uh, but uh, what ahead. did they do in the SEC tournament? I don't even remember. Didn't they lose oh. to Kentucky? Did they? Okay. Is is that the one where she stormed out onto the court oh, yeah. mid game? That's where she did everything but tackle the referee closest to her, and still did not get a technical or anything. But yeah, it oh, looked yeah, like okay, okay. it looked like the Kim of old, Daryl. She was at 
raging and ranting and screaming and she had that wild-eyed look on her face like somebody had just you know taken her consummate done before she was done having it in her entree uh classic yeah very classic kim mulkey who uh, obviously has not taken the prescribed blood pressure meds that have been ordered for her and is deciding that she is going to basically make a class one butthead out of herself whenever she takes the sidelines the good thing is, is they don't have her on ACC, uh, you know, nothing but net. Because if they were to do that, then I think they would totally have to just call my cable provider and say, take the ACC off of my plan. I mean, I, did you all look at this box score for that game? Did anybody know that Ryan Howard had six threes? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, we knew that she had some three-pointing skills. And I can remember a particular occasion up in the uh, up for even not too long ago where she darn near beat Louisville with the last second three. But uh, yeah, to yep. have that many? Wow. This is, I guess in the LSU scout, scouting report is, I don't bother guarding her from 18 feet out. She's nothing. Hmm. Well, it's really not her go-to thing. She's not known to be a three-point shooter, although she's an excellent percentage-wise three-point shooter. But she's a lot more of a, of a force there kind of down on the post in the paint area. But yeah, I mean, Ryan Howard's an excellent player, and she's going to make a nice impact in the WNBA when she goes pro at the end of the year. Yeah, uh, There's an old Jeff Walls idiom that goes, Coach, they're not guarding me out here. They're not guarding me out here. Yeah, well, there's, there's a reason. reason. There's a reason for that. <laughs> Get me the ball. <laughs> no, no. We're going to go to scores. But, but I'm a shooter, Coach. I need scores, not shooters. I prefer makers instead of shooters. Which is why none of us are out there playing. That, that's for sure. Yeah, I could, could, I could always set a hard body block when I played, but if I was more than 10 feet out, I was looking to pass. <laughs> so take a look. Uh, let's kind of just look at the conference breakdown for the projections here. Uh, uh, Mr. Creed has actually got nine SEC schools in there. Uh, of interesting note, he's got Old Miss ranked higher in Bridgeport than he does Kentucky. That one just makes me scratch my head a little bit and go, hmm, I did not know the ribs were that strong. Okay. Uh, but the SEC has nine, and the ACC has eight schools projected to make the tournament. And as we mentioned, two schools in uh, Duke and Boston College are supposedly a couple of the schools that are going to be in the first four or next four out. So if the NCA were to smile upon the ACC and grandly bestow those two schools in, they would actually have 10 schools in the actual tournament. But uh, since when has the NCAA smiled on anything Louisville was ever associated with? <laughs> but it, it, not just the school, the city. The yeah. whole city. Yeah. Did y'all see my Twitter joke about Bellarmine not getting into the NCAA tournament? I mean, obviously they knew they weren't going to, but... I just wrote, I, I retweeted and said, the NCAA heard Louisville, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> this Bellarmine you speak of, where is it located? Yeah. It's in Louisville. Oh, nah. Yeah. Exactly. Their home gym it's is like where? It's like a big red buzzer goes off in the room. Freedom, when... Freedom Hall? Isn't that Louisville? Hey, that court? sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't they have them farming machinery shows in there? How are they going to play around all that? My gracious. But, uh, <laughs> And, and Bellman, 
rooms. It's really got a beautiful facility over there in Freedom Hall, the way they've redone it and everything. It's, it's just fantastic. I did have a chance to take a look at it shortly after completion. And uh, wow. I mean, if we ever got into a dispute downtown, we could kind of like go knock on Bellarmine's door and go, hey, uh, you mind if we share this <laughs> joint with you over here? Uh, it's pretty they were nice, nice enough to let us borrow the facility for a couple of volleyball matches. That's right. I have to feel did a lot of adjustments to make that happen, and certainly something I appreciate well, greatly. Yeah, while it, we're talking it, about Bellarmine, I have to feel bad for Jacksonville on the men's side. Like I have to oh, feel, feel bad for yeah. Jacksonville, who made it to the conference championship after defeating their rival in the semis. Uh, but since they didn't beat Bellarmine, they don't get to go to the NCAA tournament. But also, Bellarmine isn't going to the NCAA tournament, so their <laughs> rivals that they beat are going to the NCAA tournament. Oh like, my god. Yes. Uh, it's such a bad situation. But, that was you know, a way like it's, a it's the NCAA, that, right? and I repeat myself. So yeah. <laughs> and, and if there's one rule that the NCAA I think needs to reconsider and change is okay. So you've joined Division One. This is your first year in Division One, like Bellarmine is. Why do you have to have a four-year sanction? I know, it wasn't designed for basketball. The original intention was more for heavy physical sports like football, where you may have very undersized players in division two that you don't want to get completely demolished by uh, Clemson or Alabama. But when it comes to some of your lesser contact sports like basketball, I mean, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. The logic behind it is not there. And so you handicap their ability to recruit those better players. You know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. No, the, the only explanation I've heard that makes sense is that the requirements for admission and playing athletics at D2 are less stringent than ones at D1. So they don't want schools saying, hey, we're going to transition to D1, recruit a bunch of really good players who can't get the admission requirements for D1, and then go in and, and do really well in yeah. D1 for two, a few years. Two years later, they're seniors who are you know, right. superstars. and But but wouldn't have been able to get admitted right. and playing under D1. But like, I get it, but it's that, dumb. Like they that have doesn't to, they, happen. Yeah, right? they still have to meet the eligibility requirements to play. There's a yeah. portal now, for goodness right. sakes. Daryl, the portal changes everything. Those rules were written back, what, 20 years or 30 years ago yes. or whenever? The portal changes everything. It, yeah, it does not make sense. I was wondering, guys, your all's exclamations actually make it more sense in my head because I'm sitting here thinking of the poor players that if they come in as a freshman, they're never going to have a chance. Or um, how are you supposed to recruit with that? It's just it seems like three years could be sufficient um, because you give that that freshman class or that senior class the opportunity to to go to the postseason. And um, also, I mean, I, I get the idea of, you know, laying the groundwork some like i feel like scotty's recruiting message at this point had been well you're just kind of laying the groundwork for future players and like who's gonna be like i'm in for that you know takes a lot of heart and dedication to take on that commitment that's for daggone sure yeah Uh, taking a look at, at the rest of the conference breakdown projected for the tournament a trio of conferences are projected to have six teams in the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the Big 12. The Big East, not much of a pair as anymore, has three teams projected to go in. The American, our old conference from years back, has two projected. The Atlantic 10, two projected. Missouri Valley Conference, another old Louisville conference from years past, has 
two projected, and then the West Coast Conference has two projected as well to actually make the tournament. Uh, you know, taking a look at what he's got projected for the top seeds, and let's just kind of go around this a little bit from what he's thinking right now. They're sending NC State to Bridgeport after they begin at home. Uh, South Carolina, Greensboro, I guess that makes sense since, you know, it's the closest to their location. And a nice little gig for them as they open in Columbia at home and then get to go to Greensboro, not too far away. Stanford, the major powerhouse, I think you could say out west right now, is uh, projected to be going to Spokane, although it's a bit of a drive for them from there anyway. Still, you know, it's west coast. Spokane's West Coast, Stanford's West Coast. It makes sense to me. Uh, it's kind of looking at this Spokane region. Um, Hawaii obviously is a good candidate for the West Coast one. But then running down the rest of it, I'm looking through these schools that are out there, and uh, I am failing to find anybody else who's even remotely related to the West Coast in the Spokane region. So maybe a down year for West Coast basketball. What say you guys? You got Hawaii. Well, I already mentioned them. Oh, I mean, sorry. they were obvious. Sorry, I think Texas at Arlington and uh, Nebraska are like the next furthest west teams. <laughs> and Texas, yeah. I guess. Which you know, baffles me, but uh, Louisville projected to be the one seed in Wichita right now, and then uh, I also would mention Stanford and Spokane. Uh, a really interesting matchup I'm seeing in Spokane out there is uh, Georgia Tech, a team we got to know quite well in ACC play, is in as an eighth seed, which I think may be a little low for them, but I'm just thinking that out loud. Uh, they are playing Kansas State, a very strong team out of the Big 12 to start out. And then Virginia Tech also ended up in Spokane, another ACC school, which probably – would have hoped that they might have been a little closer to home. Uh, they actually go to Bloomington, and that makes a lot of sense, having Bloomington as a regional site for your regional in Spokane. Hmm. Okay. Obviously some work to do here, NCAA, but uh, Virginia Tech gets Uipui, who gets in as an automatic qualifier, and we could have the dreaded Uipui versus Indiana matchup in round two in Bloomington. Gee, who do you think would win that one? Golly. <laughs> but uh, a lot of fun to be had in all this bracketology and, and, and looking at things. And I think that uh, it'll make a lot of fun, Jared, for our bracketology contest that will hold for the NCAA tournament pick on this year. Yeah, the I think the field's a lot more even this year. You don't have as many tiered levels as you've had in the past where – you could break down about three, maybe four teams that could be a potential champion. I think this year you've got a few more than that that could really get in there. I think you got maybe about six or seven. And then I think your next tier has a dozen plus teams that are ones that could potentially reach the final four, but should be a lock for the lead eight and, and whatnot. So it, there's going to be some good upsets and there's going to be a lot of really good games this year. And until we, get to see the actual bracket it's hard to be like oh yeah this team versus this team is going to be good because what uh charlie cream has now is i think what jeff had mentioned earlier he, he's not 100 100 percent accurate in terms of seating and matchups where we may see some stuff get flipped around uh, but here i mean we're looking at another 
34-ish hours, we should know the actual bracket and get going. I would say that Charlie knows a tad more than the guy out there shoveling snow this afternoon. <laughs> but uh, So I'm going to take a look at these four regions, and you all are welcome to do the same as well. I'm, gonna, I'm looking at all four regions now. I'm going to come up with my team that could be one to pull an upset in their region. Okay. We'll start with Bridgeport. A very strong field in the Bridgeport region, but uh, I say beware of Iowa. They're the three seed out there. A very, very strong team. Caitlin Clark out there, who is an amazing basketball player, if you've ever seen her play. They did win their conference, yet they are a three seed. In Bridgeport, I say, hmm, don't know about that. I think that they could possibly match up with UConn or Kentucky when they get out there and knock them off and move on. I 100% agree with that one. Uh, any other speculation case, uh, Jeff, uh, Daryl? I was going to say um, I was going to pick. Not, I didn't, wasn't sure about the assignment, whether it was uh, someone who can make it to the Final Four or just someone to pull a major upset. I think something that could help Iowa be your upset pick to go to the Final Four is uh, a stunner if Kentucky can keep playing the way that they were in the tournament. Uh, if they can knock off UConn, I think that would give Iowa um, a, a much better path to to get past NC State, get past Kentucky, than NC State to to make it to the Final Four. The Cats, of course, get Princeton in their opening round, and uh, Princeton is not a team that's going to run and get it out on the fast break and make you worn out physically. They play a very controlled Ivy League style basketball which may call into play the fact that Mr. Ryan Howard will have to be pumping a lot more threes up in this one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say if we're taking Ivy League or uh, Ryan Howard, I'd, I'd probably take Kentucky on that. Um, she's just – she's not going to go down easy. She's she's the anchor of her team, and uh, if she needs to chuck some threes, she's going to do it. And if it does lead to a Kentucky-UConn matchup, in stores, obviously, the the, the, <laughs> the crowd factor would definitely be behind UConn, although Kentucky fans are, that won't are, matter. are idiots and travel anywhere, and <laughs> I'm sure that they would go to... That well, should be a t-shirt. They, you know, you could say that they are idiots and travel anywhere. Not, yeah. not to be mean to Kentucky fans, I know quite a few, but you could say they are idiots that just live everywhere. Well, <laughs> no, that's some of that, too. Yeah, yeah. Great. Some of that too so, but I was, Great point. Yeah, just I was looking at the uh, SEC tournament yesterday, yeah, in, in Tampa, and there were Cats fans all over the place down That's there. That's why I, I said, "Where is this?" And then, because I thought it was in Nashville, and they're playing Vandy, so it's a little yeah. confused on how many. And I, actually, I do know one for a fact that lives down there in Florida, and she went. So that that goes to Case's point. Yeah, and I've got some really good friends who uh, have transplanted to Florida now, although not Kentucky fans. They're mostly Cardinal fans. Complain all the time about seeing Go Big Blue stickers and flags in the car windows and stuff like that for Kentucky around the Tampa and the, the Naples areas down there. So It's probably, you know, uh, it, it's that for basketball season, Paul. And then when football season comes around, it switches to Alabama or <laughs> Auburn or whatever crap they, they do. Or USF now that Charlie. No, yeah, Charlie yeah. yeah. Charlie's not there anymore. Never mind. Uh all right, so, yeah, watch Iowa, I would say, if you're looking for some bracket upsets 
or bracket surprises in Bridgeport uh, that could possibly challenge NC State, which also challenge UConn, uh, Iowa. Keep them in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Moving to Greensboro, uh, looking at the region, I mean, you, you take a look at this, and it, it kind of looks like a party designed for South Carolina to celebrate all the way to the Final Four. But uh, I tell you, beware the Irish. Yes, beware Notre Dame, who gets to start out in all fun places in the world of Tucson. No, they won't be up there in the Purcell Pavilion. They're going to Arizona to begin their quest for the NCAA championship, where they play Stephen F. Austin and then would get supposedly the winner between Arizona and UNLV. Beware the Irish. They have the talent. They have the tools. They definitely have the sassiness. And they also have a pretty decent ball player in the name of Olivia Miles, who could be ready to have a big tournament. Yes, beware Notre Dame. Yeah, and, that would only be a very mild upset. It would be a five over a four. But uh, I, I would say out of that bracket, I, I would look at Gonzaga and say, well, they have a chance, you know, playing uh, North Carolina in the first game. So um, I think North Carolina wins that, but that would be the one that I would look at and go, well, this one might be interesting to watch. Iowa State also a very good team at in there, too. But, uh, Jared, uh, I'm going with the Irish as my kind of uh, upset special here to uh, face up against uh, South Carolina if they get through everything okay. Uh, You look at this region. What do you think about it? This one feels more cut and dry in terms of accurate seating than most. Uh, The only thing is Arizona's faltered down the stretch. I mean, I feel like they lost three or four and – uh, just February and end of March alone. And Notre Dame's like Louisville. They're coming off where they just got upset by Miami and a little bit stunned. Uh, so that extra time getting upset and a kind of a two-week break before the NCAA tournament starts, you're coming out kind of with a little sour taste in your mouth and you're wanting to uh, make a little impact. So I could see that. It's just I don't think Notre Dame's got the the size and talent to go up against South Carolina right now. And like you mentioned, this one looks like it's going to be a pretty easy just South Carolina-Iowa State meeting in the final. It's, it's going to be tough to see anybody else really pull off a big-time upset in this one. Let's not forget that Naz Hillman and the Michigan Wolverines are also headed toward the Greensboro region if they should, in fact, get by Fairfield and then get by the winner of the North Carolina-Gonzaga game. Naz Hillman, one of the better players in the nation there. But uh, uh, any other thoughts on this on this region, gang? Anybody? Um, I'd say if, and I'm not looking at the bracket. I don't, I don't see what you all are looking at. But if Michigan is in there, I'd be a little worried to face them again. I think they were uh, in the top ten, good majority of the season. I don't think they were when we played them, but it was like a thirty point win by the Cards. But I'd be a little worried to see them again. Oh, Daryl, we're just looking at the latest bracketology. Just a projection? Yeah, Sorry. the one that Charlie Cream posted out there. Okay. Yeah. If that my, helps you out a little bit. My, 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 yeah, I'll get my Google on. My thoughts on Michigan are complicated. They've put <laughs> up some real clunkers, um, but they have looked really good in a few other games. So I think that they're definitely a team that could make noise if they get hot, but they're coming off of, you know, losing to Iowa by 24 and then. Uh, losing to Nebraska in their first game in the Big Ten tournament. So 
if they turn it on, then sure they could they could make noise there. But if not, then they could get run out of the gym in their second game. If we look at the Wichita region where the Louisville is projected to end up, taking a look at the projections for that, I see one team in there that does scare me quite a bit. They are projected as a four seed. It is Maryland, mm. the Maryland Terrapins, who uh, would have to supposedly open up against Drexel. Gee, that'll be a scary game. And then face the winner of either BYU, Dayton, or Villanova in order to get a shot at the cards as they play the regional final. Uh, Maryland, always a very scary team to me. Jeff Walls' is old boss, Brenda Free, still running the Maryland program. That is the team I'm looking at as a team that could go far in the actual region in Wichita. What say you all? I, yeah, there's that. Yes. Uh, I, I got to look at that play-in game between Dayton and Villanova. Either team that comes out of that could potentially have some, some threat to some teams. Uh, so I'd look at that as well. That whole little sub region there is, is uh, a little bit crazy. So, uh, Whereas the last region was pretty chalky, I think this one has the, the potential to be all over the place. I'll yeah, chime uh, in. Oh, go ahead, Daryl. I know you said you weren't really worried about Tennessee. You think they're kind of off and on, but I, I wouldn't want to see them at all. Uh, I know that Kentucky beat them, but still, it's just one of those those programs that seem to be able to put some things together when they need to. And then you look at a possible Ohio State-Tennessee matchup, and the winner of that one, G, gets probably Baylor. Man, y'all, are, y'all are thinking some of these higher seeds are going to win. This is the bracket. I think we could see some big time upsets. Be, it could be all over the place. Yeah, Honestly, that's what I'm saying. You, yeah. you can't overlook Missouri State. I thought Missouri State, even in past years, has done an excellent job when it comes to tournament time. And South Dakota uh, over Florida, potentially? I, mean, I thought that's... Missouri State's a little seated low uh, as – Jeff mentioned, I think Dayton is another one that could really make a strong push. And Dayton's a team, I think they went and lost to Florida at the the tail end. And they've got a couple big-time wins against NCAA tournament-caliber teams here. So I think we could see some big-time upsets in those two many sub-regions going on. Uh, for that bracket being as crazy as it is, I'll take you to the final one here, Spokane, which to me looks like a total roll of the dice out there as far as competition out there and uh, I, i'm looking at what's going on here who's playing what where whatever uh obviously iu has been kind of up and down in their last few games and such although they've got a very talented team i'm gonna unabashedly throw number five seed virginia tech at you as a team that could make some big noise in the spokane regional they open uh, in Bloomington against Uwe Pui, and, and then they'll get a chance to face the winner of Indiana Belmont before moving on to potentially take on either Stanford or maybe even Georgia Tech or Kansas State. Uh, uh, Kenny yeah. Brooks has yes. got himself a very strong and good team. He's got the ACC Player of the Year in uh, a very, very strong center in Elizabeth Kitley. He's got Asia Shepard one of the best shooters of all time in the ACC. Do not count Kenny and the Gobblers out, I say to you, as a five seed. But uh, let's take it around. Anybody else in there scare y'all? I mean, this is just a wide open crowd. Yeah, Miami. Miami, Especially yeah. after seeing what they did in the ACC <laughs> well, tournament. I'm not, yes, there you go. Yeah. I, I think it's LSU and 
uh, with Kim Mulkey there, I mean, you got to immediately look at that one and think, oh, crap, we may be going up against the 10-seed Miami in the second round of this tournament, with, and it could be a tough one. Um, well, I you, don't don't to, you don't have to worry about that because I'm I'm manifesting a, a 15-2 upset, and Kim Mulkey's going to get bounced. <laughs> oh, I, w- I would greatly appreciate that case. Yes, yeah. please. Let's go, Arlington. Yeah, let's. Do I don't know. I would want to say Florida State on something, but just Florida State just hasn't looked like the Seminole teams in the past. So I think they're going to lose that playing game in Missouri, and I think Missouri may take down Nebraska, but I don't yeah. think they're going to be able to match up against Texas. Well, man, they have sent three ACC schools into the Spokane region, according to Crane's projections. That would be interesting since uh, they've only got eight teams total projected. For really? I got four in that region with Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Florida State, and Miami. Uh, then he I've said been... SEC. Oh, you said SEC. I thought you said ACC. Yeah. Hey, ACC's got four in there, yeah. which is even more. Half half of the projected ACC teams are going to Spokane. <laughs> hmm. Now, my question is, which five seed is going to be upset by a twelve? Oh, let's take a quick look at them all. Uh, the, There's the one always one. Virginia Tech, Uipuri. I think Virginia Tech I'm going, there. I'm going BYU being the five seed to lose to okay. Dayton. Yeah. Okay. We'll take a look at that. Now, that's probably... certainly a possibility. Uh, BYU is the five seed, as we mentioned there. Let's take a look over here as we take a look at the. Oregon, UMass. Yeah, yeah. yeah you've got Norman, Oklahoma. You've got Oregon traveling in to play UMass. Uh, and I think Oregon wins that. I'm thinking Oregon's okay there. Very strong. Yeah, I guess I like there. Jared's. Yeah. But then, I, uh, I think you got to look at that. the safest pick. Yeah. And the Notre Dame versus Stephen F. Austin down in Tucson. Uh, I mean, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame can choke that. They've had some weird losses. That's what yeah. I'll say about Notre Dame. Absolutely. We've seen that's Notre Dame throwing some clunkers, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah. then again, uh, they've played some really good basketball. Knocking off, of course, uh, NC State on their home court. Guess what? You're not in the Joy Center. You're not on Prue Cell Pavilion floor. You are playing that in the desert against the Stephen F. Austin team, which is probably, hey, thankful they don't have to travel too far for at least their first game. But okay, hey, a lot of fun and challenging basketball team here. Uh, talk here about the tournament coming up. Uh, of course, just to remind everybody, you can follow along with the bracket selection, and that'll be on Sunday, 8 p.m. on ESPN. And uh, Jeff Wall's been kind of strangely silent, y'all, about the tournament so far. So, uh, obviously, he's. I think he's been working his kids really, really hard in fourth quarter situations. What say you all? I think he's just more worried about he says the wrong thing, and then this NCAA is going to suspend him. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about uh, the other day. I just want to know what he said after that Miami loss. Do you think it was – do you think he kind of ripped them a little bit? Do you think he kind of just was like, all right, brush it off. We're going to look ahead to the next thing. I, I, I really would like to know. I'd like to have had a, a fly on the wall in that room. I, think I mean, I'm sure he's mad about the rebounding, but I'm still putting the blame on Coach, to be honest. And he did take credit for the loss in the post-game conference that they have to do down there in the ACC tournament where they bring them all up on that little stage and parade them out like little puppies and let them talk for a while. But uh, normally Walls is one that always does Nick Curran's post-game radio show, and he has not done one since, I think, three game, for three games in a row now. Uh, 
prefer not to do them. He sends an assistant out. Usually it's either Sam Purcell or sometimes he'll send out uh, Steph Norman. But the post-game radio show where Walls does reveal a lot of things, he ain't been doing them. I, I think that the, the taking the blame for that loss was uh, misdirection to um, – I mean, I, I think there is some blame to go to him, but at the end of the day, I said it in, in my write-up last week, and you need somebody to make a basket. You went six minutes. <laughs> you gave up uh, scores on eight possessions to Miami out of nine and couldn't score yourself. It was – uh, an ultimate collapse uh, yeah. of execution, and the coach could put, you know, thirteen players on the floor at the same time, and if nobody's gonna do something of value on the floor, then it doesn't matter. So I, I think that that might have been a little bit of a misdirection to, to not quite indicate his real feelings. And like Daryl said, I think that the uh, conversation to the team in that first practice after was uh, not. Uh, safe for work. I'm pretty sure he didn't have co- cookies and punch over on the sidelines. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, can we get you a pillow to make you a little more comfortable? Emily, why don't you just sit out this practice? You've worked so hard. No, I think Jeff Walls was uh, bound and determined to try to do everything he could make possible, guys, to make sure we don't have another fourth quarter collapse this season. <laughs> Let's just not slow down the pace to Virginia men's basketball style, and we should be all right. That's true. It's getting a bad shot up at the end of a 30-second shot clock or whatever it is, and it you missing the shot, not getting the rebound, it's the same output as going down the court and having a turnover. Yeah, I mean, you've got to make sure that you're passing the ball crystally on offense and not standing there dribbling, watching the clock tick, wondering if you can beat this particular player one-on-one into the paint or pulling up for a jumper, right? Yeah. Dana Evans is not walking out of that locker room. Dana Evans and Asia Durer is not dressing up for the tournament. Yeah. You all know that right off the Oh, yeah, and uh, just to throw in real quick, the correct cases schedule from this morning in the last 20 minutes, softball has now had a schedule change for tomorrow, and they will play Indiana at 4 p.m. instead of 11 a.m. Oh my gosh! Oh, to give the ground crew a little more time, perhaps. Yeah, now, let's not warm up the ground. You know what it was? They were listening to the show, and they're like, "Man, it is weird that we're not playing the last game of our own hosted event." <laughs> See, my thought when I saw that schedule, I was thinking, "Oh yeah, they want to uh, get it over with, and then get the team, you know, done by one o'clock. That way, they can go finish their homework and get ready for next weekend." But yeah, yeah. just I just checked my text messages. I got one from Holly April. Tell Case, thank you for bringing this to my attention. <laughs> we are changing the game time. I owe him a bouquet of roses. Sign Holly. 11 a.m. tomorrow. It's going to be 36 degrees. 4 p.m. Yeah. is going to be about 50 degrees. I think it's a wise decision. That old Smart. aluminum bat might sting just a little bit when it's in the high 30s. Yeah. But we've managed to spend the vast majority of the show on basketball, but that's the reason most of you tune in and listen to it anyway. We would be remiss without mentioning that softball is so far 3-1 and one on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Knocking off Central Michigan yesterday. Game two being canceled. Uh, Jared, you were out there taking some, some photography in this. And uh, just your thoughts on the weekend so far in this Bluegrass Challenge for Louisville? I think this is a weekend where Louisville should be expected to go undefeated. Uh, most of these teams are hovering around 500 at best. And 
uh, with where our RPI sitting, which I think last I saw was in the 70s. Yeah, we, we can't afford to lose any of these kind of subpar teams if we want to have postseason hopes right now. So this weekend, just you, you got to be able to, to win them all. And I thought it was an excellent job against Central Michigan yesterday, getting the, the run roll on and jumping on top of them early. Uh, but I was a little disappointed in the final six innings against Valpo. A great three-run first inning to start the game. And I think what pieced together, maybe two or three hits the rest of the game. You, you can't really do that especially in slower level teams like this, because what happens when we go up against Clemson or we go up against Duke and some of these really strong ACC teams? I mean, you got to be able to hit the lesser pitchers to be able to hit the better pitchers, uh, but still finding ways to win uh, and including that walk-off the the game before that was, was excellent. And I think it's good experience to be able to find a way to grind it out in these close games to win. It's, it's a beautiful thing, Jeff. Maybe you can comment on this just a little bit more quickly on we have healthy pitchers this year. We have freshmen that are really contributing, and our transfers ain't doing too bad either, are they? Yeah, no, we've got uh, we've got a great pitching staff. Uh, you've got Roby still anchoring it, but uh, you've, we've got some great players coming in, uh, supporting and, and um, amplifying that. So uh, some interesting, generating some offense, which has been a bugaboo for this team for a few years. So um, it's good to see. And uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out there. I just has not worked out this weekend with, uh, you know, getting back in town and then, you know, weird weather. But uh, hoping to get out there. I may try and get out there tomorrow, uh, particularly since we get the late game. It makes it a little easier. So enjoy a warm spring day. So hopefully that's what will turn our way weather-wise. Yeah. We would be remiss also if we did not mention lacrosse real quickly before we conclude the broadcast, of course, as Casey talked about earlier in scheduling the Twitter, and they're down in the state of North Carolina to take on two top five teams in the nation in Duke and North Carolina. Uh, wow, Case. Uh, Scott Teeter probably is thinking to himself right now, what did I get myself into with this early scheduling thing here? Holy cow. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for him, the ACC schedule is a little bit out of his control. Um still seeking that second ACC team to defeat. Uh, got the second ACC win against Virginia Tech, um, but that was you know still beating the same team. So they definitely have their work cut out for them. You would hope that they can perform a little bit better against uh, one of these two North Carolina teams than they did against uh, Boston College. Um, but they rebounded from that Boston College loss uh, with a big win over Cincinnati in the midweek so they'll be going into those two games against North Carolina and Duke with a little bit of juice hopefully uh, before getting a, a pretty long home stretch uh, with Virginia, Ohio State and Vanderbilt next week so hopefully they can at least put up a good fight um, uh, we've seen them come really close against some of these top teams uh, in years past and haven't been able to break through so hopefully they can finally do that I'd agree 100% on that. Let's hope that – hey, I'd be happy with Teeter going down there and getting a split, Jared, you know, winning one and losing the other. Cause it's, but it's, it's, it's ACC lacrosse, man, and uh, it's just a whole different world. Yeah, look, ACC lacrosse is by far the best women's lacrosse conference out there. and You have to give them credit coming in and basically rebuilding this program from scratch from what was that. And 
there was no time to be like, okay, we're going to, you know, come into an easy conference and kind of work our way up. I know he just got thrown out in the deep end and the players get thrown out in the deep end. And I think they're, they're handling it and adjusting well. It just takes time. It does take time, but Teeter has an energetic squad. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move it on into final thoughts then as we've had a great discussion here. And if you have any other further questions about the basketball program for the women at UofL, I don't know what else we can tell you about them. We've covered just about everything we can except what, you know, Nurika Kono has for breakfast. So, I mean, if you've got any further questions, call Nick Evans at – no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Nick would not like that probably. Uh, final thoughts. Let's go ahead and start it out with Daryl. Well, I just want to shout out Jared for his uh, commitment to getting photos for these squads because it really does help our um, coverage of them. And it also helps. I I know it sounds crazy, but it really does probably trickle down to the recruiting because these players see the work that he puts in. And like he mentioned, the spring sports sports schedule where winter sports are finishing up and it uh, it kind of. Uh, crosses with the spring sports sports starting especially throw in some winter and uh, the schedule changes and all that crap and somehow he's able to keep up with it and also dedicate his time to doing that so shout out to Jared really appreciate all that a job well done Jared and it just confirms my rumor that there are actually two Jared Andersons in existence I'm not sure it's just two yeah, I'm not sure. there could be a third that we haven't quite determined yet because there is no way in the world that one man can do everything that Jared does as far as taking pictures. Uh, the other Jared Andersons, please step forward and be recognized. I'm sure everybody would like that except for Katie probably who has enough problems dealing with one Jared Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, right, Jared, since you've been the, the, the subject of love and admiration here, you're next on Final Thoughts. Well, first, thank you for the, the kind words. But yeah, I'm just always happy to be out there and, and taking pictures at all these different games and catching capturing some special moments. And at least this year at softball, head company with uh, Ryan Greenwood, Cassidy and Carmen's dad, takes pictures a lot. And Lori's, Lori, Cordy hus, Cordy's husband, Chad, is out there taking pictures at a lot of games too. So it's nice to be able to have some company and talk to you out there. Absolutely so. Plus, you're getting some inside information, right? Every once in a while. What, what did Carmen have for breakfast? Does Lori really come home and throw all her clothes in the corner and run to the hot tub? I mean, you know, you can get all the inside scoop here out there on the field with the other photographers. Good so stuff. As much work as she puts in, I wouldn't blame her. Yeah, I wouldn't blame her. If she, she basically never left the hot tub until she goes back to work. I think she's been living at Elmer these past couple yep. weekends, yeah, especially absolutely. schedule changes. These, these big tournaments are tough. Yeah. With no on-site bathroom facilities that's especially rough yeah but okay case what do you got for me on final thoughts yeah briefly mentioned it earlier but i just wanted to uh, give a shout out to not a champion but a, a good ncaa performance by gabriella leone she's been fantastic all season through this indoor track and field season and uh sixth place finish is probably not quite what she wanted to get um would have liked to improve on her personal best but her, her third best indoor pole vault uh, of her career, and it, it was good enough for sixth place at the championships, which was good enough for first-team All-American selection. So congratulations to her. Indeed. Congratulations to Gabby. How hard has it got to be to, like, transport 
your poles with you to the event you're going to take place in. It's not like you can fold them up and put them in the trunk, right? Yeah, it's got to be tough. Um, every, everything that I, I've seen, I think that they just have to throw them in the Subaru Outback or on top of the Subaru and, uh, <laughs> and drive them. She probably has to drive it down there herself. And do you have any carry-on luggage for this flight? <laughs> yes, these five pole vaults here. Can we just uh, super glue these to the side of the plane? Okay. Yeah. Just use them as, you know, stabilization bars, whatever you need them for. All right. Jeff, what you got for me? Yeah, uh, totally off topic. Uh, glad to be back home, uh, sleeping in my own bed. It's been it's been good. Uh, I did get uh, to add four states to my states visited count with this trip, so that was kind of cool. It was uh, really neat to drive across the country. I encourage people to do it every you know maybe sometime. Uh, it was a lot, a lot of driving, but it was really neat to see. Uh, to see, you know, we cut across, you know, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma. On the way back, we went through Arkansas, you know, and to see the different terrain, to see the different um, parts of some some of the different parts of the country. Obviously, there's a lot more. Um, was really neat to see, and um, yeah, I, I learned to hate tumbleweed. So. <laughs> the restaurant or the plant? The plant. The suckers roll right out in front of you at interstate speeds. Whew. It could be a little challenging, I think. Yeah. yeah. At I, least you, you didn't I have suspect. to worry about the gas prices, right? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I was in an AV. But yeah, I smacked three or four tumbleweeds going across. I just crossed New Mexico where we were really getting the most of it. So, yeah. Those things, yuck. They're invasive species. I'm surprised that there's not a college sports team that doesn't have tumbleweed as their nickname. So right, hate them. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. It'd be a great incentive for you. You go on the road. How the damn tumbleweeds are coming? To yeah. Holy crap! I, I mean, seriously, they are an invasive species. They are very destructive to native uh, uh, wildlife and plant life. So yeah, they're. Ugh. Ugh. So there you have it. If there's a tumbleweed in your area, destroy it. Yeah. And I'm the not bug. speaking of the restaurant. They're hard to destroy, but good luck. Nothing that a pitchfork and a burning spear wouldn't do, right? Uh, final thoughts on my way. I'm going to kind of go in a slightly different direction as well here. Uh, UofL does this thing once a year where they have student athletes call people who have donated to the athletic program. And over the past years, I've been really fortunate to be able to talk to people like Jasmine Jones, Alicia Wolney, who have all called and thanked me for my donations to the actual athletic programs at the University of Louisville. Imagine my surprise another night, the other night when I got another call. And this was from Nicole Peroni of Louisville Lacrosse, who uh, the phone rang. I'm looking at it. I'm like, uh, it's a UofL number. I'm not sure who it is. So I guess I better pick it up. Hello. Is this Pauly? <laughs> <laughs> like, That's awesome. Well, it just depends on who's calling, I guess. <laughs> She started laughing. She goes, hi, this is Nicole Peroni. And I said, nice half trick the other night. <laughs> and she goes, you watch that? Yeah. I'm like, yes, I watch everything. I'm all encompassing on women's sports. I said, you should have had a fourth goal, but instead of passing off, she started <laughs> chuckling. She goes, well, I had this prepared speech, but I'd forget that. Let's just talk for a while. Yeah. We yeah. had a great conversation, found out a little bit about her hometown, found out about a little bit, you know, how she loves playing for Louisville across and Scott Teeter and certainly uh, 
the fact that, you know, they try so hard. They practice so much in the limelight, and, and she's so excited about the future of the team and the things that are going to happen. They're just a delightful woman to talk to. So uh, I just want to kind of bring that out. Nicole, uh, it wasn't as fun as talking to Jasmine Jones a couple of years ago. Yeah. Who, do, who suggested that I might donate their own, her own personal cause in addition to UofL. We can talk about that now that she's graduated. But <laughs> Nicole Brody, one of the shining examples of the University of Louisville Athletics programs. Good girl, good girl. All right, that was going to do it for a broadcast. I know we ran a little bit normal than, uh, longer than normal, but a lot of things to cover today, and I think we did a good job with all of them. We'll catch you here next week, 11 a.m. for the Cardinal Couple Radio Air podcast, unless you know something I don't. In the meantime, go cards and good luck. Thanks for listening to the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a rating or review and subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice. We're available on all of the major podcast players. And be sure to check out the site at cardinalcouple.com for the daily column bringing you the joy and excitement of mobile women's athletics. Music.